They're going to rebuild the wall, but they're starting with gates. Got to get the gates done first. If you would look at Nehemiah chapter 3, we're going to go all the way to the end of chapter 3 actually, but it'll be, it won't take but a couple hours, so it won't be too bad. And uh, so I hope you had supper already. Ooh, you're going to be hungry. So, and uh, we've been looking at the gates. You know, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 3.15, all scripture is given by, 2 Timothy 3.15, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It's profitable for doctrine, for, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. And I want you to notice there in that verse, that phrase, instruction in righteousness. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now we do understand that there are some, uh, through, through the Old Testament thing, there's some things that not, were not written to us per se, they're written for us, Right? And uh, their instruction on righteousness, obviously, there are some things that were written to Israel, and they were for Israel. They're not for us today. Uh, the church is not Israel. The church did not replace Israel. And uh, the, ch- the church has been placed on the shelf, and God is going to deal... I'm sorry, Israel's been placed on the shelf. God is going to deal with them later. I, I love this. You go back to, to the book of Acts. Don't You don't need to go there now. But remember when the Judaizers had come down... Um, to Antioch, and they're causing a lot of problems, saying, well, you need to be uh, circumcised, and you need to uh, obey the law to be saved. And, and Paul says, no, you don't. I mean, that, it's in... So what they did, they went up to a delegation, went up to Jerusalem. The apostles, some of the apostles were still there at the Jerusalem church, and they brought up this subject. And, and uh, Peter and some of the apostles said, uh, well, no. I mean, obviously, um, God has shown himself that uh, you know, it's by grace through faith. But one of the arguments that James had, he went back to the book of Joel. Or no, I'm sorry, to the book of Amos. And he said, he mentioned how uh, that, he would, the, that the, 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 the throne of David, that, you know, would, God would restore again the throne of David and he'd restore Israel again. Which means, you know, what Joel was say, what what James was saying was essentially if God is dealing with Israel in a in a place of discipline right now and has them on the shelf right, why would He require Gentiles to be Jews who are on the shelf? Right. <laughs> Makes no sense. This was the Apostle James' argument, and this was what the Holy Spirit of God left for us. It was one of those arguments that the church is not Israel. We're two different things. But we know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for correction. And in, in in one of the areas we're going to look at is for instruction and in righteousness. There is instruction and in righteousness in the book of Nehemiah for us. It's in the whole Word of God. And it's interesting, as we looked at the gates a couple weeks ago, it is interesting the order that these gates were listed in. And we saw last time that we looked at this, there's spiritual application here. There's some really neat uh, um, application here that we can see through all of these uh, gates. We saw that gates were a serious thing, right? Um, what's, you could rebuild the wall and forget the gates, right? That's like having a, having a house built out of concrete and no doors and windows. I mean, it's good for something. It's not good for keeping the bad guy out or the animals out or anything like that. 
And, uh, you know, so you, you have to have a gate, right? You need, you need gates. You need that. But we saw also that gates are weak, right? They're weak. They're weaker than the wall. Usually our front door has got a big chunk of glass in it, big piece of glass. Our, our walls are concrete like this. Uh, our house walls are concrete and siding and all this stuff. They end up being like a foot thick. They're these crazy big walls. But our door has this huge thing of glass. It's weaker than the walls, right? And anybody, like our dog, can bring his huge bone up. And when he wants in the house, he chucks it on the, on the door. And I'm like, Ugh, you know, it makes me nervous. He, the idiot's going to break it or something. They're weaker, right? The gates are weaker. They were the weakest aspect of the wall. And it gives an easy, listen, it gives an easy access point to the enemy. If they're gone, you can't keep anybody out, which is why they rebuilt the gates first. And the application we saw last time, there are gates in our life. And if our gates are broken down and gone, we're leaving open access to the enemy into our life. Just, they're just going to, Satan just waltzes right in, kind of like he owns the joint. But he doesn't, hey, don't forget that. He doesn't own you anymore. We've been bought with a price. And uh, he was our old landlord, but we got a new owner, and he's kicked out. And he can cut. Listen, he can come and ask for rent, and he will, because he's a low life. But you don't have to pay him. You can tell him to take a hike, because he doesn't own us anymore. Amen for that. But the gates. We're looking at the gates this morning, tonight. They have significance, and uh, we started looking at them the last time. Look at verse one, if you would, in Nehemiah chapter 3 and verse 1, Then Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brethren the priests, and they builded the sheep gate. They sanctified it and set up the doors of it, even under the tower of Meah. They sanctified it unto the tower of Hananiel. And then the fish gate that goes on, and uh, you'll see. But we saw just a really quick op- uh, overview from the last time we met. If you remember, the sheep gate was the very first gate that was mentioned. It is the gate where the sheep and the lambs were brought it through for the Passover. And we saw the spiritual significance of it, which is what? This is the salvation gate, right? It's the starting point of everything. It is the beginning of our walk with Christ. It begins with Christ crucified. Nobody comes in another way. Nobody comes in outside of the blood of the Lamb of God. We all come through the same way. I like that. Aren't you glad that somebody doesn't get an easier way or a harder way? Right? God doesn't go, oh, you? You're going to have to do 25 Hail Marys, and you're going to have to do this, and then you're going to have to do that, and then... Oh, you, oh, tell you what, you know, I'm so glad God is no respecter of persons. And it's all one way, the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it starts there. It starts at the sheep gate, moves on, verse 3, to that fish gate. And we saw that, look at verse 3, and they said unto the king, let the king live, uh, verse, I'm sorry, 3 and 3, but the fish gate did the sons of uh, Hesaniah build, who also laid the beams thereof and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. This was the gate where those fishermen of Galilee would bring their catch to sell that they had there. Uh, those fishermen would sell. And we saw that application, Matthew four nineteen, when he, Jesus said unto them, Follow me, I will make you not fishers of fish, but I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to make you fishers of men. It's the evangelism gate, right? It's the gate, the natural progression of the Christian life. You got saved. How many remember the day you got saved? I hope you do. Amen. You got saved, and I don't know how it was with you, but sometimes, I tell you what, especially if you're a little bit older in your years, when you got saved, you just had to tell somebody about it. 
You just had to call somebody up. You just had to, it had to come out somehow. Now, you might not have done it as some others did and a little more uh, uh, out in the open, right? And nowadays, people get online and say things and, uh, uh, you know, different things like that. And, and but no, there's something in you. You just had to tell the good news. And uh, the, 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 the zeal, that zeal of a newborn believer, and uh, it was there at that, that, that fish gate. You went out, we started, hey, you know what you, get, you do when you get saved? You go out and you get more. You go out and you find somebody else and bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. We went next from there to the old gate in verse 6. After evangelism, right, after that zeal, the Bible says they had zeal but not according to knowledge. And we don't want to have zeal not according to knowledge. Uh, it's, we need to have both, right? We need to have zeal and we need to have our doctrine right. And here we are at the old gate, right? Learning of the Word of God, we realize, wow, we started getting into the book and we realize this has been here a long time. This is old stuff. It's been around. This is the Word of God. It's eternal. It's so old, it's eternal. No beginning, no end. But Jeremiah 6, 16, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and ask for the old path, the ways the good way, and walk therein. Right? Everybody's looking for a new way, a new way to do church, a new way to do Bible reading, a new way to study, a new way for this, a, a new version for this, and a new Bible translation for that. And I tell you what, you wear yourself out trying to keep up with the new. And the thing is, that watch, the key to rest, are you listening? The key to spiritual rest is finding what God's already said and walking in that, right? walking in that so many people i tell you book after book after book read 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 looking for something new go back to the old book right you'll find and you know what god says you'll find rest there for your soul your mind your will and emotions that's your soul you'll find rest so many are so so bent out of shape so bent out of shape they have no rest you can you're around them for five minutes and they're like you know it's like man not just because they're hyper, they don't have any soul rest, right? They're not walking right. This is that old gate, right? The old gate. Right? We have the faith that was once delivered, right? Once delivered, I like that. Once delivered. We're not trying to rediscover it. And we need to stay at the old gate, the sheep gate, the fish gate, the old gate. We're moving on to the valley gate, verse 13. This is one. This is the gate we don't like. This is the gate we try to stay away from. I said last time there are several valleys that surround there around Jerusalem, but it is the valley gate that opened up to the Valley of Hinnom. It's where they brought all of their trash, where the trash was burned with fire. And Jesus took that as an illustration of hell, where, there, where the flame is not quenched and the worm dieth not. Right? And, they, and we, we get the, these words here. It's where, uh, notice this. This is actually, if you remember, where Nehemiah began his inspection of the wall when he came into Jerusalem that evening. He couldn't even ride his donkey up there. He went up by foot because the wall was all falling down. But he came up. He began his, his, his inspection of the wall. He began at the valley. Wait, at the valley gate. From the valley, he could get a clearer view of the condition of the walls, okay? He could get a clearer view there. And so we saw that it was in the valley where we learned humility, in the valley the valley where we learned to trust. It's in the valley where our trials come from. It's in the valley that God tries us and, 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 and endeavors to bring us through some times that gets the impurities out of our life and, and the dross and the things that are, are there that need to be put out. It's the valleys that we get brought through that God builds us in our life. And so it's kind of like Nehemiah, right? 
He came to that valley gate so he could get a better view of the condition of the walls. So often God brings us through valleys to get a better view of the condition of our life. Have you ever gone through a valley and you, you realize, you just thought, whoa, there's real some nasty stuff in me still. There's a real bad attitude still there. Boy, there's a lot of anger right there. Wow, there's just a, where'd that come from? <laughs> no, thank the Lord. He's refining you. Right? right? He's not showing you to rub, rub your nose in it. He's showing you to kind of say, all right, let's work on that. Let's work on that. Thank the Lord for We need valleys. Praise God for valleys. Thank Him for them. And, uh, but you know what? We go from the valley. Remember this? We went right to, the, right to verse 14 there. Look at verse 14. Chapter 3 and verse 14. Let's read it. But the dung gate repaired Melchiah, the son of Rechab, the ruler of the part of beth Hakarim. He built it and set up the doors thereof, and the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. This is where uh, Jerusalem would bring all of their trash, all of their rubbish. It would go out that gate through that gate down into the valley of Hinnom where they would be burned. And uh, we saw this last week. What, a, what a, a poignant picture it is. You go through that valley and you begin to see all the trash in your life. You begin to see the little things that are still there. And we're thankful that God knows that we're but dust. He knows that what we're made of. He is patient with us. Aren't you thankful for the patience and the long-suffering of our God? Of all of the little things. That, hey, we see them in our life. We don't even like them, right? I have less problem with somebody who's struggling in sin and sees it and hates it than one that doesn't think they have a thing wrong with them. And they just think they're all okay. And you're, you're looking at them going, the pride and the arrogance is just uh, boiling out all over the place. You know, this, this lack of self-awareness. I mean, on and on and on. And they just think everything's great, man. We're fine. We're fine. We're fine. Man, give me the guy that's really struggling that knows it and hates it and just looking to God to be changed. I love that. That's, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing. It's, it's at that gate where God brings us to the valley. We begin to see it. Watch. At, at that dung gate. Here's where we make the choice. When we begin to see, right, the trash in the life, the imperfections, the impurities that God is, is revealing to us, and thankfully He doesn't reveal them all at once, that would be an overload, right? What He reveals, it's at this gate that we decide whether we're going to walk through it and leave it there in Hinnom to be burned up and leave it and walk back up into the city through the other gate that we're going to get to in a little bit. Some people sit at that dung gate and they just, they just can't release it. They don't think they can or they just don't want to at times or they think, I, I, I don't know if I can live without this or whatever it is, right? Whatever it is, it's at that gate. We have the choice at every time that God reveals that imperfection, that impurity. We have that choice to leave it there to be burned up or to bring it back with us. But you know what happens when you leave it there? Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. You know what happens when you leave them there? You show up at the fountain gate, verse 15. I like this. Verse 15, But the gate of the fountain repaired Shelon, the son of Colhosa, uh, the ruler of the part of Mizpah. He built it and covered it and set up the doors thereof and the locks thereof and the bars thereof and the walls of the pool of Siloa by the king's garden and unto the stairs that go down from the city of David. And it was the fountain gate that was located near the pool here it says of Siloa that was often used by the people to for cleaning before they proceeded into the temple but there's another picture here as well because when you leave the things that are pointed out in the valley when you leave them at the dung gate to be left there and burnt 
You know what begins to happen? It, what happens with Jesus said in John 7, 38, that says, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Living water. Springs. What is it about water? Well, it's life. What is it about a nice spring? Well, it satisfies those who come to it. You know, our life should be refreshing to the world and other believers. Right? Now, I'm not saying they're always going to like you. Right? But sometimes, you know, I, the Bible says, when, when, when our, way, our ways please the Lord, He maketh even our enemies to be at peace with us. Our, our life should be uh, rivers of living water. Unfortunately, we know that's not always the case, right? You know what happens when our life isn't, isn't a, a, a living a spring to somebody? We know there's something that hasn't been left at the dung gate that needs to be left there. There's something that's clogging up the spring. We've got this walk. I'll go out my back, or back of the house and I'll go down this mountainside on my way, weave down that... Uh, uh, my brother-in-law made this path all the way to the river and there's one little uh, little spot there through the woods on this mountainside, this hillside and we call it not the pool of Siloam but I call it the pool of slime hole. It's like this slimy hole that the water comes out of the side of the mountain and uh, I think your brother or somebody put the rocks there and to kind of hold it back a little bit. Well, when I walk through there many times I have to take my walking stick and clean the leaves out of it because they get in there and they're all kind of slimy and they're clogging it up. Not, I mean, it'll still run if it gets enough rain, but the little pool that's made there, I mean, you wouldn't want to drink out of it. It's kind of nasty. It's too much junk in it. Now, the dog doesn't care, right? He, he like digs at it and gets all excited. Makes, but but you're going you're gonna to want to clean some of that junk out of there. When the fountain is, it, it, when the things are out of our life, watch, the fountain's flowing pretty clean, right? It's a clean fountain. And uh, we, we, we want water. We want flowing out of us, as Jesus said, rivers of, low, flow, of, rivers of living water, living water. Now, tonight, we've got four gates to go. Are you ready? Four gates. Look at verse 26. We're talking about the fountain gate. It's kind of interesting. We go from the fountain gate to the water gate. Doesn't that sound like the same thing? Not Nixon, not that water gate. No, no. Look, look, at, look at verse 26. Moreover, um, Nehemiah chapter 3, am I in the right place? Yep. 3 and verse 26, yeah. Moreover, the Nethanim dwelt at Ophel unto the place over against the water gate toward the east, and the tower that lieth out. Now, it kind of seems like this one wasn't really broken down. Just as they built the wall up to it, they, they live there by it. But it still lists the water gate here in our text. And the water gate, watch this, it led down the Gion, to the Guyon Spring, which was located adjacent to the Kidron Valley. What was the Kidron Valley? It was that valley that ran along the eastern wall. It was that valley between the Mount of Olives... You'd come from the Mount of Olives, and you, did you walk that, uh, Miss Barbara? Walk down, and you really what you're doing? You walk down the Mount of Olives, you go over the Kidron Valley, and you're coming back up into the area of the wall into Old Jerusalem. There, it is the Kidron Valley when the when the sacrifices, when the lambs were being slaughtered uh, at Passover, that Kidron Valley would run deep with blood. 
Would you notice the imagery? Jesus prayed. He prayed at the Mount of Olives, right? He came down. It was Passover when he was crucified. He came out of the Mount of Olives. He would have walked over the Kidron Valley flowing with blood and walked back up into the old Jerusalem to be crucified. It's a beautiful picture of coming down, going over the blood and going back up. And he was going to ascend again someday. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture there. But here it is, the water gate. What is the water gate? What is the picture here of the water gate but of the Word of God? Ephesians 5.26, he says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. Psalm 119, the Word of God, Psalm in the Bible, 119 and verse 9, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, right, by taking heed according to thy Word. The Word of God has a cleansing effect. Now watch this. Do you notice what he said? By taking heed thereto. Yeah, not just reading, not just memorizing, not just studying, obeying, taking heed thereto. I heard somebody say this recently. It was a great admonition. You may have heard it yourself. This pastor, this, he's long dead, but he made the application. It was an excellent application. He said, you do not get to know God by going to, th- by going to seminary. You do not get to know God by knowing your Bible and knowing Greek and Hebrew. You don't get to know God that way. You, don't, you get to know God by obeying Him. You know about God by Bible reading and by memorization and by learning languages if you want to go that deep. That deep. But you don't get to know God. You don't get to know Him but by obedience to Him. That is where the relationship is built it's built in obedience. Jesus says, remember what he said. Where, um, uh, uh, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's relational. If you love me, keep my commandments. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Jesus said in John 15, 3, Now are you clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. The fountains may be flowing free after you've gone through the fountain gate but hey listen we live in a sin cursed earth we live in a sin cursed world we get dirty we sin and sin comes into the life right the fountain can get clogged up once in a while and quit running but it's at the water gate it's at the water gate that you clean out hey you want to see an an interesting thing yeah you got to stop the sin but sometimes if you just add some good water, it'll start flushing out the other stuff. But what the water gate is speaking of, let me show you this, though. What it's speaking of, the fountain gate, I mean, you know, we're making spiritual application here, okay? The, the fountain gate, remember what it says over in Hebrews. Uh, let, us lay, let us lay aside every weight that does so easily beset us, Hebrews, I believe it's chapter 12 and verse 1, and let us run the race, right? Let us lay aside every weight that does so easily beset us everybody has a besetting sin and everybody's is different right everybody's is different and i believe it's at the fountain gate you come through the dung gate you come through the valley some things are exposed and it's through the valley and at the dung gate where i think those besetting sins are dealt with you get the you get those besetting sins out of your life and boy i'm telling you what the fountain starts flowing but there's just the day-to-day filthiness of the world that gets on us 
We're not talking about besetting sins. We're talking about just the things of, I mean, you get in traffic and you get mad and you, and, uh, you have some thoughts about the guy in front of you you probably shouldn't have and some things you're like, you know, you're just getting filthy by the, by, by, the, by, by the world, man. And it's the Word of God. It's obedience to the Word of God uh, that can clean those things up in our life, those little things. It cleans us up. It builds us up, right? Romans 10, 17, for, by faith, for faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. See, it's the Word of God that reveals sin. It's the Word of God that convicts us of sin. It's the cleansing, watch, it's the cleansing of the Word when we obey. It begins to clean. It's the water gate. The water gate. But notice verse 28. There's a progression here. I'm going to show you this at the end. I've already mentioned it a few times. Verse 28, from above the horse gate repaired the priests, everyone over against his house. Now we have a horse gate. Horse gate. Let me try to say that. It was close to the king's house. It said this. It was the king close to the king's stables. And the men of Jerusalem would ride their horses out of this gate as they went to war. It was said that this gate is where David would get all of his, his men together and he would bless them as they would go out to war. Can I tell you this tonight? I keep wanting to say this morning. It feels like morning, I guess. Well, Martin's been telling everybody good morning. Thanks a lot. You got me all messed up. Amen. What, is the, what is the spiritual significance of the horse gate, right? But we're in a spiritual battle. Hey, watch. You get saved. Right, you're, you're fishing for men. You're, you're you're going through valleys. You are are you, you're showing up at the dealing with the things that come out in the valley. You're at the dung gate. You're at the fountain gate. You're at the water gate. I mean, you're obeying the word of God. And I'm telling you what, you get into that place of your life, and you get into a place of victory in your life. Satan will show up. Battles are coming. Battles are coming. Turn to Ephesians chapter six. Let me show you this. And we're going to be here eventually. One of these years on a Sunday morning, since we're going through Ephesians on Sunday mornings. So I'll read it to you now because it'll be so long before we're there, you'll forget all about it. Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against uh, flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness and high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, all, having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth, and having on the blessed breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereto thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints it sounds like this battle is pretty serious isn't it he doesn't just say hey uh you need to watch out for the war you need to find something to protect yourself no he lists he lists the armor that we have and then he says to persevere and to stick with it, and don't give up, and don't run away. Why? We're in a battle. We're in a battle, a spiritual battle. Horses became a symbol of war, right? You know, remember Israel, all the way back in Deuteronomy, God knew what they were going to do, but they were told by all the way back in Deuteronomy, not to, the kings were not to amass horses because it was God 
who was their strength and who fought for them. And, uh, but, and he said, Deuteronomy 17, don't multiply horses unto yourself or chariots, right? Isaiah chapter 31, God said, Woe unto them that go down to Egypt for help and stay. That means to rest and depend upon and stay upon horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong, but they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek uh, neither seek the Lord, right? They were a symbol of strength and power. And even, even though Israel fought many wars, right? And they did fight physically, but listen, the battle was actually spiritual because it was God who was the one who was fighting. And this is the same thing with us tonight, right? We fight many battles in our Christian life. And it's, it's really, it's going to be illustrated here as we move along in Nehemiah. It's going to be illustrated here of the battles they're going to fight to get the wall built. Tell you what, when you start building walls in your life, right? I'm telling you, it's the, the enemy shows up, friend. They show up all sorts of different ways. This is, this is why the horse gate comes after the water gate. When you're being continually con- cleansed, in obedience to the Word of God, becoming more like Christ, becoming more fruitful in your life, I'm telling you, you're going to find yourself the horse gate going out to battle on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. That old song Roloff used to sing. It's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game. How many remember that one? Run if you want to, run if you will. I came here to stay. Love that song. Yeah, we're in a battle. We're in a battle. Satan hates you. He hates God actually more than he hates you because, you know, he hates God, he hates you. Yeah. Jesus told to Peter, remember this, he said, uh, Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. Oh, I love this. He didn't leave it there. He said, but I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Aren't you happy for that intercessor we have at the right hand of the Father who is making intercession for us? Our lawyer, the Lord Jesus Christ, he's praying for you right now. He's praying for me right now. I'm thankful for that. But Satan desires to have you and sift you as we. Peter, the, the same Peter who Jesus warned of this and who, who had his own problems with Satan after this, he himself wrote from experience, your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Satan was going to and fro upon the earth when he came before God. And uh, Satan and God said, where have you been? He said, oh, walking to and fro upon the earth. And obviously, which meant he was looking for somebody to hassle. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? No. Yeah. That's what he likes to do. He likes to do this. The horse gate. Listen. You're going to be in a battle. We're going to fight. We're going to be in a battle. We've got to be ready. Look at number 9, verse 29, the eastern gate. Look at verse 29. If I can find it. Here it is. And then repaired Zadok, the son of Emmer, over against his house. After him repaired also Shemaiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate. It's on the opposite side of the Mount of Olives. I've told you that. Come down the Mount of Olives through the Kidron Valley up and you'll be right there at that eastern gate. It's closed off today. It's been closed off for a long time. Right in front of it, I told you this not too long ago. I'll remind you right in front of it, the Muslims went and built a, uh, they went and built a, a graveyard right in front of it because they, of course, no Jew will walk through a, a Jewish gra- uh, through a Muslim graveyard. I guess they believed that would keep the gate closed, but they realized 
that they, or they didn't realize that Jesus is coming down from the sky and he's going to set his feet upon the Mount of Olives and uh, he doesn't need that gate open to get through. Thank you very much. He doesn't need, nothing's going to stop him and nothing can stop him. But what is the spiritual significance of this eastern gate? Ezekiel chapter 44. Listen to what it says here in verse 1 through 4. Then he brought me back to the way of the gate of the outward sanctuary, which looketh toward the east, and it was shut. So all the way back in Ezekiel, this eastern gate was shut. Then said the Lord unto me, The gate shall be shut, it shall not be opened, and no man shall enter in by it, because the Lord, the God of Israel, hath entered in by it, therefore it shall be shut. It is for the prince, the prince, he shall sit in it to eat bread before the Lord, he shall enter by the way of the porch of the gate and shall go out by the way of the same. The prince, the prince, who's the prince? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Why is it shut? Well, it's going to be shut until he comes back. Yeah. Zechariah 14, 1 through 4, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and the half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall be cut off <clears throat> from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley, and half the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. What is the eastern gate for us? It's a gate of hope. Our blessed hope. He's coming back. This same Jesus, as you've seen go up, the angel said, in like manner is coming again. And he's coming back. He's coming in the clouds. No, the first time he came through that virgin womb, the first time he came as a, as, as a, a little baby, the second time he's coming back as king of kings and lord of lords. He's going to sit down on the throne of David. He's going to rule for a thousand years, and we're going to rule and reign with him. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. He's coming back. It's our blessed it's our blessed hope. It's our expectation every day, really. Uh, what a great reminder. We should get up every day uh, with this blessed hope and say, even, even so come, Lord Jesus. It should come off of our lips. Uh, every day it should come off of our lips. There's even a crown. Listen, there's even a crown. There's even a crown for those, a rewarding crown for those who live on a daily basis with this hope. Listen to 2 Timothy 4.8. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Right? There's a crown laid up. And not to me only, but all them, unto all them also, that love his appearing. Yeah. Are you looking for the Lord Jesus? Yeah. You're looking for the uh, upper taker, not the undertaker? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Now, friend, hey, some people are just looking for Jesus because they're in hawk up to their eyeballs and they want out, right? Some people are like, oh, this world's just gotten so awful. I just can't wait for Jesus to come, right? Oh, I kind of get that, but, man, what a, it's not real victorious, is it? Jesus came to give us life. He said, I give it to you more abundantly. He didn't say we only had abundant life when, when America was cruising along in, in a great way and the world was getting long, right? I mean, we can have abundant life however the world's living. But watch, the crown is for those that watch that love His appearing. They just want to see Him. 
Have you ever taken time just to get alone and meditate what that first glimpse is going to be like? You know, all of these artists with all of their paintings of this Roman Jesus, right? All the different ways they depict him. I had a black friend in grade school, the first time I ever saw a black Jesus on the wall, right? They were Christians, a wonderful family. And I'm like, who's that? <laughs> I, I didn't know. That's Jesus. I'm like, okay. I hadn't seen that before. Yeah. Yeah. Some days you just want to see him, don't you? So it's been a long, it's, seen, it's, seen, it's not been a long distance relationship really because he lives in us, right? But we haven't seen him. Jesus said, blessed are they, I think he said to Philip, blessed are they that, that have seen me and believe, but more blessed are they that have not seen me and yet believe. Yeah. But we're going to see him. It's our hope someday. Verse 31, and I'm done. Look at this. The Mifkid gate. I love how this ends. Verse 31, here it is. After him repaired uh, Melchiah, the goldsmith's son, under the place of the uh, Nethanim, and of the merchants over against the gate Mifkid, and unto the going up of the corner. Mifkid means command. Command. Commandment or mandate. The, the word here in Hebrew has a military connection. And according to history, according to history, it's at this gate where David would meet his troops and inspect them before they went out to war. He would inspect them. What was the last words of the Lord Jesus? Some of the last words. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. What do we call that? We call it the Great Commission. He commanded us. It was, his last, it was some of the last words when he commanded his church to go and preach the gospel. While we wait for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, what has he told us? He said, occupy till I come. We don't just sit around in the fields chasing daisies and catching butterflies and looking up to the skies waiting for Jesus to come back, right? We don't just like laze around and, well... We're just waiting on Jesus, right? Find some cave to hide in and, and just become a monk. No, we don't do that. He said, occupy till I come. How do we occupy? We'll go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? That was the command. We have been given a charge by our commander to preach the word. So notice the progression in these gates. Notice the progression how... There's a similar progression here in our own life. Salvation at the sheep gate. Evangelization at the fish gate. Seeking the lost. Equipping at the old gate, right? Studying the word of God. Becoming a student of the word. You got to know the word, right? The, the equipping there. The testing at the valley gate. The, the, the repenting at the dung gate, right? Where we lay aside those besetting sins. Fruitfulness at the fountain gate. Where, our, where there's the joy for our, in our soul, the cleansing at the water gate where we deal with unconfessed sin, the battle at the horse gate, and we have the blessed hope at that eastern gate. We're looking for Jesus. 
And then finally, here at that Mifkid gate, the command, the preaching of the gospel, going into all the world, obedient to our great commander. We have a command. It's kind of interesting to me, there's really, there's nine gates. There's nine gates. There's nine beatitudes as well. But if you notice in these nine gates, <clears throat> at the salvation, I'm not talking about the salvation gate, because you, you, you don't have any of these until you come through the salvation gate. But after you come through the salvation gate, then you have nine gates. Of course, I know there's ten here, but after the salvation gate, there's nine. Notice when you start with the nine, notice what it begins with. The nine gates. After the sheep gate, it starts with evangelization. And really it ends with the same thing at, the ten, at, that, at that ninth gate, the command to go out in all the world and preach the gospel. Yeah. Kind of a circle there. Yeah. Kind of sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? Who came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was the purpose of everything he did. The purpose, hey, the reason why he did all that he did to seek and to save that which was lost. And if we're going to be like Christ... That's what we do. Our life, our life should be characterized by one who seeks, by seeking and saving that which was lost. And you know what hinders the, the, that, those bookends of these gates? You know what hinders that? All of these little broken gates in between. When they, no, when, the, when they break down, you know, you, have you noticed in your life when, when there's a breakdown somewhere at one of these gates? And listen, we're all human. We all have, we've all had gates or maybe have gates that are broken down right now. But when, they, when the gates broke down, what is one of the first things that goes? Is the soul winning. Well, I shouldn't be talking to anybody about Jesus. Right? I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be, you know. And we just kind of slink back from service and from occupying till he comes. Yeah. Any of these gates broken down in your life? We're talking about application here. I'm, I'm done. It's not even 8 o'clock. Look at this. Are any of... Well, it's 7.59. Are any of these gates... Any of these gates broken down? You know what they are, right? All of these gates we've gone through. Any of them broken down? You know what happened? You know, you know what's going on right now if they're broken down? You have an open invitation to the enemy. And I could probably guarantee you, you're losing battles. You're losing battles. Oh, praise the Lord. We're not, we haven't lost a war. We've won the war. But it would be nice to go back to camp someday without a thousand arrows sticking out of our back. It would be nice to go home someday having accomplished something for the Lord instead of laid up in the infirmary because we've been getting wounded. Are you tracking with me tonight? We're talking about gates that are broken down. They're important, friend. They're important. What do we do? Well, we, we repair them. Did you notice this? When you, when you go through your Bible reading, you go through Nehemiah, many of you have read through this many, many times, and you'll, you, you've noticed this already. All of Israel didn't come and repair one gate at a time. Different people repaired their own gates, right? Not everybody worked on all the gates. What am I saying? 
Repair your gate. Don't worry about somebody else's gate. <laughs> right? You don't, 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 don't be, uh, you know, the, the fruit inspecting, right? And, uh, well, I know what their gate is. Their gate is this because I... Right? Don't worry about their gate. Do this tonight. Worry about the gate that the Holy Spirit of God has shown you that is broken down. And what do you do? Rebuild it. Well, how do you rebuild it? Depends on which one's down. If it's the evangelism gate that's down, you know, get out and begin to win the loss. If it's the old gate that's down and you just haven't been a student of the Bible, you haven't picked it up in a while, you have got out in the habit, you haven't just been faithful in it, uh, get back to the Word of God and get back to studying. I mean, you, you've got the gates. You can fill them in, right? If you're at the dung gate and you just don't want to let something go, let it go. Let it go and walk back to the fountain gate and rejoice. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Maybe you're at the, at the horse gate and you just don't want to go out to battle anymore. You're just tired of fighting. Do you know we're living in a... Right now, the United States... Listen, please... The, the Christianity, let's just take this. Uh, let's just say um, those that have been serious about the things of God over the last several generations, right? We are where, where we are because some, many of them for, just quit fighting. They just quit fighting. They just, oh, well, they, you know, they're all going to do it. Might as well, right? They start compromising and letting down. Well, uh, the, every, I mean, everybody else is doing it now, my, you know. Why, why am I killing myself living this way? Well, maybe because the heart should have been that we're living this way for the Lord Jesus Christ and not for those around us, right? That, that fixes that, amen. My brother used to say, you know why you have a problem with, uh, with dress standards and holiness or what, fill in the blank? It's because you just don't love Jesus enough. If you loved him, they wouldn't even be an issue. I mean, how many remember the days you're, you you fell in love and you found out that something they liked that or didn't like, and it was like okay. I mean, you did or you did. I mean, it wasn't an issue, right? It wasn't an issue at all. Right? Then you get married long enough, then it becomes an issue. No. <laughs> yeah. Real reveal something in your marriage too, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. So. Anyway. I better stop. It's after eight. Got any? Listen, if you have a if you have a gate that's broken down and the Holy Spirit has pointed it out tonight, before you listen, before you go to bed tonight, before you leave here tonight, would you go ahead and get with the Lord and say, "I see it. It's clear as day. You have made it as clear as possible. I acknowledge it. I'm going to deal with it tonight. I'm starting tonight." And I'll, I'll continue to rebuild that gate until it's back up like it ought to be. Do that before you leave tonight. Our Father, thank you for the reminder. We're thankful for the gates. You, you've given us gates because you know we have an enemy. We're going to see here soon we're going to have a wall too. And we just thank you like a, like a, like a loving parent who protects their children. You have given us ways to protect us from an enemy who wants to not only just destroy us, but kill us and have us gone. Because the sooner we're off the planet, it's one less person to glorify you through their life. 
And so, Father, would you help us tonight? Whatever you've pointed out, maybe it's not even a gate that's just fully broken down. Maybe it's a gate that the hinges are worn out and not oiled and there's pieces of boards missing. and It's not all the way down, but it needs some attention. It just needs a little attention, a little maintenance, a little upkeep. Whatever it is tonight, Father, would you show that and would you help us as we foster that relationship with you just to be obedient. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand tonight. The instrument's going to play. Right where you are, you deal with the Lord tonight. You got any walls, any, any do, uh, gates that need attention tonight? Would you deal with the Lord tonight on those? Maybe the problem is you've never even come to the sheep gate yet. You haven't come by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't know Jesus. You've never been saved. Watching online. Maybe somebody's here. I don't know. And you need to be saved tonight. Before it's too late, would you come to Jesus tonight? You can call. You can write in. You can email in. You can text us. uh, You can come to us here tonight after the service and ask us how to be saved. We will take the Bible and we'll show you how you can know tonight. How you can know tonight that your sins are forgiven. You're right with God. And you're in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You can know that tonight. Don't leave until you know. Let me ask you this before we take before we leave and I close in prayer. Can anybody say tonight, you know what? The Lord showed me a little something through this message. The last time of this one. The Lord showed me something on a gate. Maybe it's not gone. Maybe it just needs some work. Anybody raise a hand and say, you know, the Lord showed me a gate. Yeah, I'll raise my own hand. Yeah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord for that. Thank Him for that. And let's leave here and rebuild some gates. What do you say? Amen. All right. We will, um, Lord willing, we'll be here for men's prayer and soul winning on Saturday. I think the weather is supposed to be clear. And I do pray for the services on Sunday. And I pray for Brother Jim Healy. He had left men's prayer early on Saturday, not feeling well. And uh, so if you just uh, continue to pray for him, and uh, that would be that would be good. Um, if you, most of you noticed the buildings sitting out there. They were supposed to put it in yesterday and today and got scared of a little rain. And, of course, 